This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. And Titus really deals a lot with leadership. So I thought over the next few weeks, as we go through the book of Titus, I, ha- I want to have a specific focus on leadership because that's really what's going on in the book of Titus and in First and Second Timothy. The Apostle Paul is giving instruction on qualifications and character traits of leaders. And so we're going to go through the book of Titus verse by verse. So if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to the book of Titus, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. You know, as you're turning, I think that leadership is one of the most misunderstood concepts on the planet. I think it's one of the most misused and misunderstood words that we use in our culture today because it's really easy to blame other people and it's really easy to make excuses about why things are the way they are instead of standing up and taking that role of leadership and leading through to cause change. At some level, every single one of us are leaders. It doesn't matter what your official responsibility is or title at at church or at work or in your everyday life is. At some level, we're all leading and we're all called to lead at some level because leadership at its root and at its core is influence. That's what leadership truly is. It's influence. And God wants us to use that influence for his kingdom's sake, for his purposes, for his glory. Amen? Now, here's the thing. Whether we lead a team at work or a family, we're all touched by leadership. But for leadership to be successful, for our influence to be successful and effective, we must, as leaders, recognize that we are called to be standard bearers. So the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is Character is the Standard. Character is the standard. That's so true in leadership because we see the effect of leadership that has no character, right? We see what happens when someone just has authority and they have been given a position or a title, but they have no character. We've all been affected by that in some way, shape, or form. Before we get into reading Titus, however, I want to give you just a little bit of the framework about who Titus is, why this letter was written to Titus, and exactly what's going on so it'll help us to better understand before we get into actually reading the Scripture. The Apostle Paul is the one who wrote this letter to Titus that we're about to read. The Apostle Paul was writing this letter to Titus because he wanted to give him instruction on how to appoint leadership and to put healthy structure in place. Now, Titus was a Greek young man that apparently we can deduct from Scripture that Paul had most likely led to Christ. And so here's this Greek convert who grew up in the area of Greece, grew up worshiping pagan gods of his fathers, and now he's a convert to Christianity because one of the missions that Paul had to the area of Greece. Now, because of his radical conversion and because of his passion and his call to ministry, Paul has taken him under his wing and he's traveled with Titus throughout the region of, uh, of Greece, planting churches and beginning works and beginning missions and beginning to share the gospel with people. So this is what's happening here. And now the Apostle Paul has left and he's writing this letter to Titus to give him further instruction because he's been given now the responsibility 
to pastor the people of Crete, where he and Paul had planted churches. Crete is the largest of the southern isles off of Greece, and it was a very pagan place uh, as, as far as their worship goes, very paganistic, uh, a lot of uh, sacred pagan rituals that were completed year after year. There's a matter of fact, you may not have known this, but the book series, The Hunger Games, was loosely based off of uh, the, some of the things that they would do in Crete during the time that the letter to Titus was actually written. Some of those things they would do were actually things that were practiced during that time, and it was loosely based off of that. Titus was also given instruction to oversee a number of churches in Crete to help them to develop healthy structure so that it would ensure that the new church plants would be successful in making disciples and reaching more people with the gospel. So that's Paul's intent, to make sure that Titus understands the type of people that need to be in leadership and the character traits that they need to have. So with that in mind, let's go to Titus chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says here, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Man, that's a mouthful, right? That's quite the opener there. Paul is, is, is describing himself as, as this servant of God, but an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's, he's, letting, uh, he, he's letting Titus know um, that this is for sure him. He says to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. And appoint elders in every town as I've directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are those, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially of the circumcision party. They must be silent, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Now here we can see that something's happening in the area of Crete. There's a desire and a need for leadership to come in and help bring sound structure to these churches. But there's a cultural dynamic that's happened in Crete that's much like the world you and I live in today. That cultural dynamic is one that the leadership needs to rise above what is commonly acceptable so that the Word of God will not be tarnished. So when they speak the Word of God, they'll actually be people of character and integrity who actually live what it is that they're speaking. Because the people of Crete were not really very popular people. Matter of fact, 
the Apostle Paul's about to tell us a little bit about what people are saying about the people in Crete. The Cretans are people who are known as liars. You know how certain parts of our country and certain parts of the world, we attach certain behaviors with that area, or we attach certain stigmas to that area. You know, kind of like they say, people from Arkansas, their family's trees, you know, kind of go straight up and things like that. We have these assumptions about people, whether true or untrue, whether true or untrue, you know, we have these ideas, oh, well, those people over there are dangerous. These people over here are thieves in this certain town or this certain area. Same thing was true of the Cretans. They were known as liars. They were known as people who uh, would use uh, and manipulate certain teachings and doctrines for personal gain. So if there was a new teaching in town and someone was claiming something new, it was because they were trying to line their pockets. And so he's trying to make this new Christianity that's been introduced into the area of Crete, something that is of reputation by putting leaders in place that will ensure that that reputation is upheld because it's different than what's in the culture. So they didn't want Christianity to be perceived as just another teaching or another doctrine that someone was using to try to line their pockets because it's like we've seen that before. And we've been burned by that. And everybody knows that people from Crete are liars anyways. So for us to show them something different, we had to hold a higher standard. And that's where the Apostle Paul begins to write to Titus and says, this is what you look for when you're looking for leaders. Because these guys have to make sure that if they're going to be speaking it, teaching it, ensuring that it, makes, uh, th- that it happens and it takes place, that they had better be living it, Right? Because if we're going to say something is true, and we're going to say something is the standard of God, and then we live contrary to it, then that completely washes out all of of the meaning behind what we're trying to teach and the validity of what we're trying to teach and say. We need to make sure that we're living that. He says, this is the types of things that you look for because of what you are dealing with. In in, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 10, let's read on just a little bit more. There may be those who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. Now he's speaking about the Judaizers there. If you remember when I taught through the book of Galatians, I spoke a lot about a group called the Judaizers. And these were Jewish people who had converted to Christianity, but they were very legalist in the sense that they thought that for you to really become a true Christian, you needed to also convert to Judaism in order to truly receive Christ. And so they would ask them to go through all of the different laws and rituals that the people of the Jewish culture did. And the primary way that they would cut covenant as a Jewish individual was through the act of circumcision. And actually, if you look at Titus, uh, the apostle Paul didn't want Titus to be circumcised, even though he was a Christian, because he's using this guy as an example to say, listen, circumcision does not matter if it's just of the flesh. You need to be circumcised in your heart. That's the whole point. You need to have that deadness in your heart cut away. That's what the whole sign was, dealing with fleshly circumcision anyways. And I bet Titus really loved Paul for that too. Because now Titus was someone who was of a Greek origin, so he grew up in an uncircumcised family. Now he's specifically pointing out here in verse 10 that those Judaizers are causing problems. And he's saying you need to show the culture you're trying to reach that we're not like the Judaizers. 
You need to show them that we're not empty talkers, that we're not divisive, that we're not insubordinate like they are trying to come in and cause a bunch of problems. You need to put people into place in leadership who have character, and this is what I mean when I mean character, and that's why he went through the list that he went through. Verse 11, they must be silenced, those people that are, are, are the empty talkers and those from the circumcision party, talking about the Judaizers there. He said they must be silenced. They're upsetting whole families families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars. They're evil beasts. They're lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth." He's saying, listen, we've got to have a different standard in place, and we need to have men and women who are in positions of authority who have a level of character that is blameless concerning the teachings of the doctrine of Christianity so that not only will it be heard, but when they see it lived out, it will actually be believed. You know, leaders intentionally raise that standard. They intentionally do it. It's not something that they do by happenstance. It's not something that they do because they're in uh, leadership and, and, and someone is expecting it of them. No, a true leader will intentionally, by who they are, by their very nature, by their very character, they will raise the standard. And that's what we're called to do because character is that standard for all leadership. For you and for me in any position of influence that God has given us, We must understand that character is the standard, not an afterthought. Not put someone who's extremely gifted into a position of responsibility and then hope they figure it out and hope they become a person of character. No, it's not the most gifted individuals, but rather it's character. Matter of fact, one of our values here at Word of Grace is that we value character more than we do talent. I'll never forget, uh, probably about three years ago or so, an individual wanted, uh, wanted his son to play drums in our youth praise and worship team. And we actually needed a drummer. And the individual was saying how great of a drummer that his son was. And we said, well, that's great, but we don't know him yet. Here's our process. And the reason we have this process is because we want to make sure he has character. Well, yeah, but he's one of the greatest drummers in the state. He's won these awards and all of these things. You see, I think that's a value system in our culture that we automatically look at what someone can do. We look at how shiny they are. We look at how well uh, that, that they can do something and we're impressed by someone. But the question at the end of the day that's going to really stand the test of time is, is the character there that is that needs to be in place for them to truly be a person of effective influence. For you and I to have effective influence that's going to last, we cannot base it off of our giftedness or how, 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 how good we can do the things that we can do. It has to be based off of the foundation of what has shaped and formed our character. And when leaders are truly leading best, they are actually raising the standard, not lowering it. Amen? And they do it intentionally. They raise the standard. And the thing is, is that you are a leader, whether you realize it or not. Because everyone at some level has influence. Every one of you. Whether it's with a friend, whether it's with a child, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's at work. It's not equated 
to the title in front of or behind your name. It's not equated to how much schooling you have. It's not equated to how important your friends or, or, or society as a whole thinks that you are. It's not equated to your popularity. No, leaders are people who recognize that they have influence and that someone is watching them, and that someone is learning from them, that someone is gleaning from them, that someone that God has put in their sphere of influence has been put there for a reason for us to influence them for the kingdom of God. Amen, somebody? We are, as Second Corinthians 5 and 20 says, ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives for Christ. We are representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are leaders in a world that very much needs the influence of the gospel. Amen? And because of that, for us to be effective, we must raise the standard and be people of integrity. So what do I mean by raising the standard. What are some things that, as we look at Titus 1, that he said that we are to raise the standard in? One of the areas that he really talked about was staying above reproach. That means that leadership should not give a handle to criticism. What I mean by that is that you're going to get criticized if you're in leadership. You know that? You will get criticized. You're going to get criticized in life in general. But especially if you're in a place of leadership, you are going to get criticized. As a Christian, you will get criticized in this world. To live above reproach means I don't give a handle to it. That means there's nothing there for them to hold on to and grip onto. You can accuse me, but those who know me would know that whatever criticism you brought against me was false. Because I don't live my life in a way where you can hold on to that and pull me down. There's no handle to it. Living above reproach is living in a way that you don't give a handle to criticism, staying above reproach. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22 says that we need to avoid the very appearance of evil. The very appearance of evil. You may have really good intentions and you may be a really good person. But to be a person who stays above reproach is not only being a person of integrity when everyone is watching, but especially when no one's watching. Or staying above reproach, staying above the very appearance of evil. One of my rules that I have for our staff is that uh, man and woman are never to be alone in private. To where if they're counseling or talking or things like that, does that mean I don't trust my staff? No, of course I, of course I trust my staff. I think that they're all great men and women. But the very accusation and the very thought or the very misinterpreted intention could ruin or tear down so many years of a healthy investment of ministry that God wants to do great things through. And so we have to stay above reproach. That's why I'll tell people, well, I can only meet with you during this time because someone has to be here, or especially if it's someone of the opposite sex. Or I'll tell them, you know, well, is it okay if my wife comes along because this is our standard. We're raising the standard. It's not because we're not trustworthy. It's because we're avoiding the very appearance of evil. And we don't just do that by happenstance. We don't do it because it's a good rule of thumb. No, we intentionally do it because we're wanting to raise the standard. There are things that we do as a church that we we don't have to do that you could just trust that these things are being taken care of and that everything's on the up and up but we intentionally do certain things and have certain checks and balances in place because we want to avoid the very appearance of evil that's raising the standard and that's what leaders do amen 
Leaders use sound judgment. That's another way they intentionally raise the standard. Leaders will use sound judgment both in their actions, in the things that they have pre-thought out, in the things that they know they're going to accomplish, and their reactions, the things that take them by surprise. A leader understands that their influence is something that they need to guard as something is precious because of who they represent. If we represent Jesus Christ, then I need to make sure that I'm being intentional about the way that I act and react. Amen? That I need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to begin to work in my heart these different checks and balances that I begin to hold my tongue when I need to hold my tongue. That I speak up when I need to speak up. That I begin to recognize the weight of the influence that I've been given as a leader. That I recognize that weight and I take it seriously. Leaders use sound judgment in their actions and reactions. They think about how their actions affect others, even if what they're doing is not necessarily sinful or wrong. But they think about how their actions and reactions affect others because we're not driven by ourselves. We have to have everyone else's best intention that we're called to serve in mind. That's what leaders do. They serve, amen? And they serve by recognizing that, you know what, even though what I'm thinking or what I'm wanting to say or the conversation I'm wanting to have perhaps isn't inherently sinful in and of itself, I need to think about how I act because I want to make sure that I am not soiling my witness for the gospel. Amen? Because I'm a leader. And I recognize that, and that's how I best serve people. Even if what I'm wanting to do or what I'm wanting to say is not necessarily even sinful, I want to make sure that people understand that I don't want to cause conflict or I don't want to cause confusion with what I say and what I do. So I need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my heart to lead me and guide me into all truth so that I can be a standard bearer and help lead others to the truth. Amen? That means that I, let me put it to you like this, that means that I restrict myself in certain areas with what I do, not because everything I want to do is wrong, but because I would rather serve you than perhaps tell you what's really on my mind at the moment, because I may be tired, because I, maybe I didn't sleep well last night and I recognize that, and instead of me Saying what I want to say, I hold my tongue because I know that's not going to help the people that I'm serving, right? I know that I have to do what is required of me because this is going to bring the most glory to God. Now, the other would make me feel a little better, right? It'd make me feel better if I could just, just, just spew all of my feelings out on everybody about how I feel about a certain situation or a certain individual or a certain circumstance. And people do that all day long. But if I did that, I wouldn't be any different than the culture and the world around me. A leader checks themselves and says, you know what? This is not wisdom because I don't want to hurt my witness for the gospel. Even though I feel this way, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to work on my heart in this area because I'm really not thinking lovely thoughts right now. Because I'm really not walking in the love of God. And so I choose to restrict those things because I go, you know what, I'm going to raise the standard for my family. Man, I can't tell you how important that is 
especially for us as men leading our families, those of you with children, so important that we're careful the conversations that we have in front of our children, especially if it's concerning some woundedness that you've experienced or concerning some type of frustration you have with another individual. Amen? So important. The, the way that we lead and direct our conversation, that we set a guard over our mouth, that we make sure that we're intentionally raising the standard in our home that we're showing our kids what normal is by saying, you know what, even though I'm really hurting, even though I'm frustrated right now, I'm not going to just let my kid have it. I'm not just going to unleash on them because, you know what, I'm raising the standard for how we process emotions. Amen? Raising the standard for how we process difficult circumstances. Because however you process difficult circumstances, mom and dad, you're teaching them this is how you handle strife. This is how you handle disagreement. This is how you handle when uh, you're hurt or when you're wounded. This is how you deal with that. And then we want to get upset at them when they react, when they have something happen in their lives. Well, it's something that was taught to them by the one who had influence and leadership that didn't recognize the weight of that responsibility. We intentionally raise the standard because we recognize and we say, God, you've got to help me through this. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. As, as a pastor, as a leader, there have been times where I've been so deeply offended and wounded in different areas of my life that I just want to just... just cry and I just want to just just vent and I just want to get things out there but you know what instead of me spewing negativity and not helping anyone really I have to say God help me deal with this and help me walk in love and forgiveness and I'm going to shut my mouth and make sure that I only speak things that bring you glory and sometimes I did a really really good with it and sometimes not so good Sometimes I felt like, man, I'm doing really good with this raising the standard thing and taking the high road thing, and then sometimes not so well. But I recognize whether I succeed or fail, my role is still to raise the standard, amen? And that I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to continually raise the standard. Another area that we are called to raise the standard in is in our conversation, in our words, in our tone, because whatever it is that we do, whatever it is that we say, whatever it is that we green light, we don't want to cause other people to stumble. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, the Bible talks about this. 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. He says, but take care that this right of yours, this freedom of yours, doesn't somehow become a stumbling block to those who are weak. We need to be careful. The Apostle Paul was writing here to the church in Corinth saying, you guys have a lot of freedom in Christ, but you need to make sure that just because you're free to do something that you're aware of those that you have influence with so that you're not actually causing them to be a stumbling, that you're not actually being a stumbling block for them. One of the best illustrations I could think of of this is something that we deal with culturally here in Wisconsin is the issue of alcohol. Is alcohol inherently sinful in the Bible? No. Is drunkenness sinful? Yes, absolutely. The Bible rails on drunkenness over and over again. But it doesn't say that alcohol is a sin no more than it says eating food is a sin, but it says gluttony is a sin. All sorts of things. It's it's the abuse of. And so if you're hanging out with someone who has had a history of abusing alcohol and they're trying to walk in front freedom from that, even though you have liberty and you're not sinning if you have a drink when you're with that person, is that the best idea? 
Is that the best idea? You see, a leader is going to be conscious of who they're around and the influence that they have with that individual. And a leader is going to think about that, and their character is going to cause them to deny their own freedom so that someone else can benefit. Because that leader doesn't want to be a stumbling block to that individual. Does that make sense? Leaders don't take opportunity to do wrong even if no one is watching. They're people of integrity. You know, it's easy when all of the lights are on and it's easy when everything is here on Sunday morning to be a person of integrity because we're at church and we're supposed to do good things at church because we have this idea the church is this sanctuary of all things good. And then when we get back to our normal lives, then we just say, heck with it. And that's not at all what God desires from you or me. Anyone can put on a good show, but who are you behind closed doors when no one is watching? Just because we have this idea that somehow that no one sees me, then all of a sudden we have this idea that God isn't still watching. Luke 8 and 17, Jesus himself, he lets us know that anything that's done in secret is eventually going to be brought to the light. Anything that's done in darkness is going to eventually be brought to the light, whether in this life or in the next in eternity. God sees everything, and everything that we do affects eternity, whether we're pushing people and leading people towards eternity or whether we're delaying influencing people for the gospel and for the kingdom, especially when we begin to allow the poison of our sin behind closed doors to corrupt our lives, especially if we begin to say, no one's watching, it's okay. We can do this because no one's around. It's no big deal. That's just a silly rule anyways. That's just a silly thing. That's just a silly struggle. That's, that's no big deal. You've got this. You can, you, it's not a big deal. You, go ahead and do it. Nobody's, nobody's looking. I won't tell anybody. Folks, let me tell you something. Leaders stay above reproach. Amen? Leaders are people who say, you know what? Even if I have opportunity to do wrong, my integrity won't let me because this is who I am. This is not something I do on the side. Being a man of integrity and a man of character is not something that I put on like Superman puts on his cape. This is who I am internally. It's who I am at my core. And that's what real leaders that are going to have real impact, that's the type of men and women that that Titus was to look for, as the Apostle Paul said, this is who I want you to find. Because somebody's got to show these people of Crete a different way. Because they've seen the lying. They've seen the double standard. They've seen the, the, the loose talking. They've seen people be stumbling blocks. They've seen people have ulterior motives of lining their pockets. They've seen all that. That's nothing new to them. They've seen corrupt judges. They've seen corrupt law enforcement. They've seen corrupt political leaders. They've seen all of that. Show them something different. Raise the standard. Men, raise the standard of what a man should be. Women, raise the standard of what a woman should be. Show your children something different. Show your friends something different. Show your church family and those God has given you influence with something different. To just lower ourselves to the status quo of society is us saying that I have no responsibility other than to please myself. Folks, Jesus said that it is our responsibility to be representatives of Him in the earth. We have a responsibility. We think Christianity is somehow this right that we have. It's not a right, it's a responsibility. 
responsibility to serve God, to love Him and to serve others by loving them and to serve those around us. And to show them the truth, not just on Sunday morning, but Monday, 9 to 5. And then to show your family from 5 to 10 or whenever you go to bed. Amen? To show people at the gym integrity. To show people at Walmart integrity. Lord Jesus, show people at Walmart integrity. (laughs) Everywhere we go, at the restaurant, show people integrity. You know, when you're at Walmart and when they forget to scan that one item and you think, bonus, integrity says, go back. Nobody will know. They probably have gotten you somewhere where they double scanned you at one time, right? And you didn't catch it. They probably, I mean, it all comes out in the end, right? That's not what a leader or a person of integrity and character says. A person of character and integrity says, you know what? This... This didn't work out. And and guess what? Sometimes you'll go back and you'll try to make it right. And when you go back and make it right, the people at the checkout register won't even care. And then you get mad at them (laughs) because you're like, I just took time out of my day, turned my car around. All my screaming kids got out of my car, went into your little nappy store, and I went in there and took this thing back, and it was only 95 cents, and it wasn't that big of a deal. But my pastor said we're supposed to be people of integrity, and you didn't even say thank you. You don't do it because they say thank you. You do it because it's right. And you do it because it's building character in you. The character of God. You don't do it for the praises of men. You do everything as unto the Lord. Amen? That's what we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. Let's go back to to Titus. um, And let's pick up here in uh, verse 15. He says, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Wow. He said, if they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works, by their integrity, he said, they're disobedient. They're, un, they're unfit. Don't put those kind of people in leadership. Don't put those kind of people in leadership. He said, th- th- those people don't get it. Those people don't get it. They're, they're, they're missing the mark. They say they know God, but their works are showing a different story. He said, this, this is the type of person you're looking for here. person who stays above reproach. The person whose children are obedient and who aren't insubordinate. Someone who's a good steward, who's not quick-tempered or arrogant. Someone who's not violent or greedy or drunk. Someone who's hospitable and loves all things that are good. Who is self-controlled. Who's upright. Who's holy and disciplined in their lives. He said, this, these are the types of things that you look for when you go to ensure that the gospel is going to be preached and that disciples are going to be made. These are the type of people that you look for. You see, leadership is influence and it's representation. Leadership is influence and representation. If we are representatives of Christ, and we are, those of us who know Jesus, we must hold ourselves to a higher standard. Because as our influence grows, so should our maturity and our sense of responsibility to those that God has given us influence with. 
As our influence grows, so should our maturity. This should be something we're growing to the next level in. We're growing to the next level in maturity. We're growing in the next level in responsibility. We're recognizing our role. We're recognizing the weight of this thing. That I, I just thought I was coming to church, and I raised my hand one time and said a prayer, and Jesus come into my heart, and then I was just going to try to be a good person and go to heaven when I die. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. You have a mission. You have a purpose. And for you to be effective in that purpose, you've got to raise the standard. And God is trying to help you to do that through His Word and His Holy Spirit. And He's trying to help you to to take that next step because He wants you to have more influence. Because guess what? The more influence you have, the more people are going to be led to, to His kingdom. The more people that are going to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel... And that's the heart of God, is that He wants people to respond to His greatness and His goodness by what He did through sending His Son. He wants people to respond to that. But somebody has got to do more than just say it and wear a t-shirt. Somebody's got to do more than just get out and put a bumper sticker on their car and post scriptures on Facebook. Somebody's got to do more than just find a happy meme with a little angel that has a nice little saying that you repost on social media. None of that stuff's bad, but there's got to be more to it. Is there character there? Is there integrity behind all of that? Or do you just have all of the right stylings and makeup of a believer who is fully devoted following Jesus, who is really going to have influence, or are you just really good at saying the right things? Because if you're just really good at saying the right things, you're missing the influence piece that God really wants you to have. You're missing the character piece, the holiness piece that he wants you to have. And all of us at some level struggle with some of these things and you want to know what we need to do. If you're like, oh, pastor, you're making me uncomfortable. Good, then repent. That's what we need to do. Repentance is a good thing. It's a turning away. Oh, man, he called me out today. Good, repent. Repent. It's not bad. I'm not beating you up over the head and trying to make you feel bad. I want you to grow. Amen? I want you to change. Because as you grow and change, and as I grow and change, as we become more mature, then we're going to have more influence for the kingdom, and we're going to have a lot bigger impact than if we just keep on doing this game that we play. God wants us to have an impact for His kingdom because we we recognize that we represent Him. Abraham Lincoln said, Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Albert Einstein said, Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. You see, leaders of character raise their personal responsibility because they recognize they are responsible each one of us have a personal responsibility to be men and women of character and when we recognize that we're leaders and that we do have influence when we don't get all caught up thinking leadership is a title or a position or a rank or some type of 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 job parking space at the company that i have and that makes me a leader no 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 When I recognize leadership as influence and I have influence at some level as a representative of Christ, whether in my home, at my job, 
out in my day-to-day life, when I recognize that, then all of a sudden my personal responsibility, I need to raise the level. I need to raise the bar. I need to grow to the next level and say, you know what? I need to be responsible because I see what I'm responsible for. See who I'm responsible to. I see what God is calling me to. I see the importance of it because everything we do impacts eternity. Everything we do impacts eternity. Anybody, anybody can keep it together for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Preachers can keep it together for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. But who are you at home? Who are you when no one's watching? Who are you when that situation happens that you want to react to a certain way and you go, what's about to come out of my mouth? What action am I about to take? For me to grow as a leader, I need to grow in character because character is the standard for leadership. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com.